What is up? What is up? Welcome to another episode of Stat Stories. I'm Chad Shanks. And I'm Justin Kabatko. So there have been so many great individual performances in the NBA this season. But do the ends always justify the means? If a player scores 50 points in a game, does it really matter how he got there? We'll try to answer that by taking a look at what it means to be an efficient scorer and how it affects a player's team and overall reputation in episode 21, E is for Efficiency. Tonight you get another triple-double, perfect from the field, perfect from the free throw line, the first player ever to do that. Thoughts on that? pretty interesting. Uh, made some easy shots. Uh, you know, Jeremy made me look good, but no, uh, just happy and, and able to play my team. So that was Russell Westbrook just being informed that he had just done something that no other player in NBA history has ever done before, which is notch a perfect triple-double. A triple-double while go, not missing any shots from the field, not missing any free throws. And so even Westbrook himself, as you can hear, was a little bit impressed by it. I guess you have to be any time that you're told that you've done something that, that no other player has done. But before we really dive I, into I don't believe for a second he was surprised. I don't believe uh, yeah. he was surprised they, he, at they, all. They know. They know. He's, <laughs> he, once, once it got to like a few minutes left in the fourth quarter, he's like, no, I'm not shooting anymore. Like someone on the side told him. Like the teams have their own statisticians and stuff. Someone told him. Um, he's like, I'm not shooting again. Um Anyway, I don't know if that's true, but it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But one person who maybe wasn't as impressed as Russell Westbrook was uh, my co-host here, Mr. Justin Kabatko, who, like I'm sure many of you do on your uh, weekday evenings at around 11 o'clock at night, you're diving through old newspaper box scores to try to debunk the statistical uh, greatness that you just saw on TV. So, Justin, I'll let you dive just a little bit into how you spent your evening last night. Okay, first of all, that intro was totally misleading. So, well, to, say, well, to say I wasn't impressed, you, that, that, that that has... As impressed. Being being impressed with what he did or not, I mean, that doesn't that's irrelevant to this whole thing. I was just curious about whether or not it was actually the first time someone had uh, recorded a perfect triple-double. Like you said, not, not missing a shot from the field or the free-throw line. And so, remember, a few podcasts ago, we had talked about all the triple-double research I had done. So, I already had this data. It wasn't like I spent hours and hours last night combing through box scores. So, I, I looked through, and I did find a game. And that game was played on March 20th, 1970. It was the Baltimore Bullets versus the Chicago Bulls. And Wes Unseld, according to the Chicago Tribune's box score for that game, Wes Unseld had a triple-double and was 7-for-7 seven seven from the field and 2-for-2 two two from the line. So... I've reached out to Elias, the Elias Sports Bureau, and to ESPN Stats and Info uh, to see if they have any comments on the matter. They haven't said anything yet, so who knows? It could be an error in the box score in the paper. I don't know. That's happened before, but um, he may not have been the first. Westbrook, yeah. Westbrook may not have been the first. Ah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and surprise, surprise, Elias isn't res- isn't responding to someone on Twitter calling them out for something, but... I don't think many of them come come to a stat fight with 40-year-old box score scans from newspapers. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But even if he's just the second player to do it, it's still pretty pretty incredible. And that at this point in the season when Westbrook has 35 triple-doubles, that he's still having 
one that stands out among the rest or that he's somehow even upping the game from what he's what he's already done but it was just a it was a coincidence because justin and i had already decided to talk about efficiency and then we had planned out what we were going to talk about today and then had to we're texting each other last night it's like well guess we're gonna have to add this to the list because if you've been listening to our last few episodes we can see that um Justin and me to a much lesser extent, but Justin especially, I don't want to use the word uh, is obsessed with efficiency, but let's just say that it's a theme that has come up quite often in what we've talked about when we've talked about um, triple doubles and the, the rookie podcast and things like that. It, it, it keeps coming up and part of it that really got us going was in our debate for the MVP that everyone is doing. We talked about that in our triple double podcast and Justin is a hardened supporter be, mostly because of his efficiency. Is that correct? Am I? Is that a misleading statement, or am I? Am I summarizing your your no, views that's, correctly? No, that's accurate. That's mostly accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Despite all of what Westbrook is accomplishing, what Harden is doing, and the way that he is doing it is more significant to you. And I'll let you uh, summarize. You tweeted something the other day that got a lot of traction. That was really interesting about comparing Harden and Westbrook's efficiency. Yeah, so I was I was just looking at their um, effective field goal percentages, and I noticed that there was a rather large difference between the two. Harden has a lot better effective field goal percentage than Westbrook does, and so I was calculating, okay, how many shots in a row would Harden have to miss in order for those two to have about the same effective field goal percentage? And it got to the point like you had to add 178 missed shots to Harden's total to get Westbrook's effective field goal percentage higher than Harden's. So, yeah, so he, he can miss that many in a row. Exactly. And still have a higher effective field goal percentage. Exactly. Ah, that's pretty interesting. And I've, I've been on Team Westbrook, even though I know the arguments against it. Um, even Daryl Morey retweeted Justin. Justin's had a big week on Twitter. Daryl Morey of the Rockets re- retweeted one of Justin's things, talking about if we're just going to throw random stat combinations and say that that makes an MVP, then why not use what Harden was the first player with some, I don't even remember what, what, what was the... Uh, I think it was 2,000 points, 500 rebounds, 750 assists. So he and Oscar are the only guys to do it. Although, I mean, Robert or Westbrook's going to get there too. Yeah, so the, the issue is you can just, if you say that a player is the MVP just because he hit this random combination of stats, then that's there are definitely flaws in that well, logic. Yeah, and but what let, let me just real quick say something. Like so like on Twitter or whatever, I'll put out these kind of interesting factoids, things that I think are interesting, which are really essentially just random combinations of stats. And just because I'm doing that doesn't mean I'm putting any special meaning behind it. I just think it's interesting. Like if you're doing if a player is doing something that hasn't been done since the mid sixties, I think that's interesting. Yeah. And it's like it does it doesn't mean it's like, oh, this is uh, my case for James Harden for MVP or you know all yeah. oh, this stat is why I don't think Russell Westbrook should be MVP I'm not really you're like reading into reading too much into those things if you're thinking I'm like pro Harden or anti Westbrook or whatever um, it, it's just kind of silly I mean they're just fun facts sports are supposed to be fun and so yeah they're essentially random combinations of numbers but they're kind of fun and interesting to look at yeah well there's no such thing as neutrality on sports Twitter if you put out a pro Harden tweet then you you hate Westbrook and vice versa. That's that's the way all of that is always interpreted. Twitter is just a wonderful, wonderful place. But 
all of this, it just keeps coming up in everything that we talked about. And so I, I think it's important for us to kind of take a step back and talk about how does efficiency play into how a player is viewed, how, um, how a successful a player and his team is, and what does it even mean to be an efficient score? Because we throw out these stats a lot of times, like effective field goal percentage, and honestly, until I, it's something that's rather new to me. Like I've been a basketball fan my, my whole life, and I remember um, going back to Daryl Morey when I was with the Rockets. He wanted to put on the scoreboard this little like lower third box thing that he that were these stats that he called the four factors right that's that, from dean oliver by the way dean yeah, oliver and so daryl wanted daryl wanted to put that on the on the scoreboard and have it on there all the time so you can see those and one of those was effective field goal percentage and when you put that up there i was like what i had no idea what that meant like i had none whatsoever and i was even talking to people who were on the like media table there at the game asking like most of them didn't even know what it what it meant and so i think it's important that we kind of take a step back and say all right if we're this is this is how we evaluate efficiency this is how we say a guy is an efficient scorer and this is why we do that all right because the game has changed so much another um, another common thread in our podcast is how much the three-point shot has just completely changed the game. And so I think it's really important that we get into that. And also, because it helps us just get into the mind of Justin Kabatko, because I want people, just for for a spiteful reason, to know what kind of a person that I'm dealing with. If you watch Legion, I'm, this could be like entering David's brain. So that, that's, you know, it's a scary thing. Yeah, well, I'm... I am dealing with someone who is on Wednesday night at 11 p.m. going through finding 50, 40, 50 year old newspaper box scores to try to argue with Elias Sports Bureau. Which, if anyone has any uh, contacts that's listening to this, go ahead and ping your contact at Elias because either way, it's going to be great for us because it's going someone's going to have to come back and say, "Oh, look, well, Justin Kabatko found this amazing thing and he was right," and that's wonderful. That's wonderful for him and for StatMuse. If he's wrong, if they come back and say that it was wrong, that's wonderful for me, because I can I can use that anytime I say something stupid in a podcast, I I can just if he calls me out, I can say, oh yeah, why don't just why don't we just ask Elias? Wait, wait, hold on, it's not like I'm making these numbers up. I have I have a source, the Chicago Tribune, which is a reputable newspaper. The last time I checked, so all I'm saying, either either outcome is good for me, but so let's dive into this. When Justin, what does it mean to you to be an efficient score? Like, how how do you even arrive at determining whether or not a score is efficient or inefficient? I mean, it's really pretty simple, right? You want to each player is attempting to maximize his or her points scored, whether that be via field goals made or free throws made, in the in the attempts that you're given, right? I mean, that that's that's just it. it that's you're trying to make. The most of the opportunities you have which we can say that's a good goal for almost anything in life right yeah and so we have the the old school ways to measure it our field goal percentage just taking the percentage of shots that you make uh based on attempts same thing with free throws but then tell us just a little bit more about some of those more advanced ones that that you know a lot more about than the average person. Well, there's a bunch. So maybe let's just talk about two. Let's talk about effective field goal percentage, which you've mentioned a few times, and true shooting percentage. Um, so let's do effective field goal percentage first. So you were talking about field goal percentage a minute ago. Well, field goal percentage is kind of like batting average in baseball, where it 
you know, batting average in baseball, every hit has the same value, whether it's a single, double, triple, home run, it doesn't really matter in terms of calculating batting average. All right, well, in basketball, field goal percentage, it doesn't matter whether you make a two or a three, it counts the same towards your field goal percentage. So the effective field goal percentage is just kind of a way to adjust for that. Now, as far as I know, it was popularized by former player and coach Mike Dunleavy. Um, and then Rick Barry had a, had a book out in the, I think it was like in the 80s, called the Pro Basketball Bible. And I think it was released for several years. And he used it in there as well. Um, but basically like all your... The, the Rick Barry? The like Rick the, Barry. Like the underhanded free throw shooter oh, Rick Barry. Hall of Famer, all-time great books. player. Well, I mean, his name well, was on the book. It did, doesn't mean he wrote the book. <laughs> was it like Donald Trump writing The Art of the Deal? I don't know. Um, so yeah, so the, just the idea is that you're getting extra credit for a three-point shot because you're providing 50% more points when you make a three-point shot as opposed, as opposed to a two-point shot. You know, if you've got a player who was... Six for 12 on two pointers. All right. And a guy who was four for 12 on three pointers. So you're talking about a 50% field goal percentage versus a 33.3 field goal percentage. But they're both providing 12 points on those shots. And so effective field goal percentage would say, well, these guys both have a 50% uh, shooting percentage. Okay. And to, to you, why is that important? So, because you're basing your. No, but I mean, I've, I've already basically said that. I mean, just because. Yeah, but I mean, for you specifically, sorry, what I meant was not just in a general sense, but but to you, like, why do you rank that so with with Harden, especially with Harden being so much more efficient in his scoring than Westbrook? Like, to you, why does that why does that really stand out, and why is that enough for you to say, like, if you had an MVP vote, you would go Harden over Westbrook? Okay, let let's say you and I provide work of equal quality to our company, which, well, is, I mean, which is an absolute joke. I mean, we, we, know, I, we yeah. know I'm much more valuable, but let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's say we provide um, work of equal quality, but it takes you 25% longer to do that work. Who's more valuable to the company? Yeah. Right, well, I mean, because put it that way. Can we can, in, we, in that act, can no. we use an analogy that doesn't uh, attack my value to yes. the company? Well, no, because this, they, they, the, the bosses do listen to this, I think. I can tie this to Harden and Westbrook because Westbrook is taking about 25%, 26% more field goal attempts per game than Harden is. But if you look at their scoring averages, or their, I'm sorry, their like, uh, scoring, rebounding, assist averages, Westbrook is like 31-10-10. Harden is like 29-8-11, right? They're very similar. Um, but Harden, or I'm sorry, but Westbrook is just, he needs to have the ball in his hands more to do this. Yeah. And so, and so other, to me, that makes Harden more valuable because he can do pretty much the same amount, but with fewer opportunities. Yeah, and the other big uh, pro-Harden argument is that the Rockets are winning a lot more than the Thunder. Do you, do you know if there's any... I know this, this may be a difficult question to ask, just trying to equate like an individual player's scoring efficiency with team success. But, I mean, is... I mean, is there any statistical correlation to it, or is that something that we that's really difficult to come by? No, absolutely. I mean, so let's just look at the three-point era, okay? In that time, there have been 277 teams that have won 50 or more games, okay? 75% of them finished in the top 10 in effective field goal percentage. Okay. That's pretty good, right? I mean, and it's also, of course... 
important on defense as well because two-thirds of those teams finished in the top 10 in opponent effective field goal percentage. In other words, they prevented their opponents from having a high effective field goal percentage, right? So, I mean, there right there is you're looking at teams, quality teams, 50-win teams, and they tend to shoot the ball very well, very efficiently, and also prevent their opponents from doing so. Yeah. And then, like, if you just kind of look at it, if you're roughly speaking, for every one percentage point, you can increase your um, effective field goal percentage. You'll get about four extra wins. Like, really? for example, yeah. So if you have like a team, let's say that has like a 50% effective field goal percentage on offense and 50% effective field goal percentage on defense, that team's going to win about 41 games, half their games. But if they can improve their, um, let's say their effective field goal percentage on offense to 51 and then keep their defense at 50, we would expect them to win about 45 games. So hmm. it's important, obviously. I mean, you make shots, you're going to win a lot of games. It's, yeah, it's, so com- just, it's common sense, right? Yeah, so in your opinion, like just the whole, I mean, Westbrook, anyone who's watched Westbrook this season, you see that dude will just shoot it from anywhere. Dude will just shoot at any point, any time that he has the ball. And you can argue that that's because maybe that's the best shot for that team at any given time, given who he has around him, even though, I mean, his, his supporting cast has been denigrated, um, I think a little too unfairly, but, um, and I, and yeah. I think what has happened too is just because you brought up supporting cast. Now, all of a sudden, all these people are coming out of the woodwork and talking about what a great supporting cast Harden has. He has sharpshooters all over the floor. Well, go back to the preseason. Like who was talking about, these acquisitions that the Rockets made in the offseason. I remember I just remember people joking about Anderson and Gordon. People were saying Yeah, that they were gonna break at <laughs> uh, some point. Well also and also that they were gonna be so horrible in defense they were gonna give up 150 points a game or whatever, right? Um and I think I think those guys have undoubtedly helped Harden, but my opinion is Harden's done a lot more to help them than they've done to help him. Yeah. No, definitely. Um and like Everyone, you said too, like the Westbrook supporting cast, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, it's just a different supporting cast than than Harden does. Whereas they they've they've built that team around him very well, um, just to where Harden can attack and dish out to a number of people who can knock down shots. Whereas that's kind of what Maury's been wanting to do for years, but they tended to they wanted to shoot forty threes a game, but didn't have anyone who could hit above 30% from three. So now they've actually got those players and it's kind of working and D'Antoni having them run and gun like that. Whereas like Westbrook is doing the same thing, but when he attacks the basket, he doesn't have the people that he can kick out to. And maybe that affects his thought process and why he would put up shots that maybe Harden doesn't have to. I don't know. That's pure speculation on, on my part. But so I wanted to ask you, does what we what you saw from Westbrook last night does that does one game even if it's of that historic of a caliber does that change your opinion whatsoever or is the the no it's already it's already t- done in your mind it doesn't it's matter. already done like it's one game and it was it's one hell of a game though he took six shots you can't tell me he was not aware in the second half that he had made every shot. Because I think, what, what did he take? Like one shot in the second half? Give me a break. Yeah. That's not Russell Westbrook, right? Come on. Yeah. I mean, th- th- so that actually lessens it in my mind because I think he was intentionally trying not to shoot the ball. What? That's a hot take. I, that's I a hot take I don't care right what there. it is. I think it's a true take. I think that's absolutely true. 
Are you saying that NBA players will intentionally go for certain statistical markers, even if it affects the the spirit of competition? Well, Ricky Davis told me no, but I, I don't believe Ricky. Yeah. Rick, Ricky Davis, by the way, is <laughs> no the guy one believes who Ricky infamously Davis. missed a shot on purpose so he could get an offensive rebound and get a triple-double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Westbrook only taking six shots a game. I think I was asking about that on stat news that's like uh draymond green level six shot attempts in a triple double like draymond green has done it five times and uh those westbrook's fewest um in a, a shot attempts in a triple double uh, but yeah like what's the second fewest I, I haven't looked this up but you did what what's the second fewest by westbrook yeah i have it right here well let me just show you how quickly you can look on stat news Yeah, so six was his fewest. He has one with seven, one with eight, then a couple with nine, then it goes up and oh, gets more Okay, more I'm surprised. Realistic. I actually thought there'd be like a bigger gap between this one last night and previous ones. Yeah, but it looks like those, those small ones all came from previous seasons, like from last season, 2014, and so on and so on. Yeah, for the, the ones this year... In other words, with, with Durant, in other words. Yeah, he is definitely shooting the ball quite a bit but i mean that i mean so that's the the question that we're trying to get the get down to like at the end of the day does it does it really matter does it really matter if you score 50 in a game if you have a monster triple double like at at the end of the day isn't that really all that that matters or no go back to my work analogy i mean it's you know being able to do the same thing but with fewer opportunities is extremely valuable. All right, so yeah, enough enough about Westbrook and Harden. Let's let's move on to uh, the second stat we wanted to discuss, which is true shooting percentage. And so this was a stat that was popularized by former ESPN columnist and current Memphis Grizzlies executive John Hollinger. Um, and basically, what it is is it is points per scoring attempt, where we define a scoring attempt to be either a shot from the field or a chance to score two or three points from the free throw line, okay? In other words, we're going to ignore things like and ones, the free throws on and and ones, and technicals and those sorts of things. Um, And in recent seasons, the league average has been around 54%. I'm not sure. Actually, this is one little quibble I have with the stat. For some reason, they decided to divide it by two to make it look like a, a shooting percentage. But if they had just called it something like points per scoring attempt, I think it would have been better just to leave it like as, you know, 1.2 points per scoring attempt instead of calling it 60% true shooting percentage. Whatever. That's just, just me being silly, I guess. You should um, invent your own stat. Like if Hollinger can invent his stats and well, it's, it's not a Rick Barry can it's, write It's just basically doubling stats. the true shooting percentage. It's not a new stat. It's nothing new. Anyway. I want to one day do an a, a episode where we're talking about, oh, can you believe that Carl Anthony Towns had a 3.5 Kabatko in, the, in that yeah. last game? <laughs> That would be great. You should come up with it. Why not? It seems like anyone else just makes this stuff up and yeah. it somehow gets popular. Let's popularize a stat. That's what we should be doing. I've already done that. Been there, done that. Where? Which stat did you invent? Uh, Windshares on a site that I shall not name. You invented Windshares? Well, Bill James Why did don't it for you get... baseball, but I, I, oh. knew, I, I came up with a method to do it for basketball. Oh. See, what? Well, you're an idiot because you shouldn't have named it Windshares. You should have... Kabatko shares. That's Kabatkoism. Yeah. Kabatkos. Like that. Oh, I can't believe that player has 8.2 Kabatkos this season. Yeah, I missed a chance there. Yeah, oh, you screwed well. up. But there's still time. 
Anyway, the, just the, the difference between true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage is that you're you're taking into account free throws, which of course are an important part, right? I mean, if, if a guy shoots, say, you know, 50% effective field goal percentage, but he can get to the line a lot, he can still be a really valuable player. So, do you think one is more indicative of a player's true value or efficiency, or are they both good because they both kind of measure different yeah, things? I think they're both good. I would use them in conjunction with one another. So, do you have any examples of like how true shooting affects your your view on the two that we've been talking about, Westbrook or Harden, or just any player in particular that their their true shooting percentage is either so good that it makes you think more highly of them, or so bad? Well, I mean, just in terms of in terms of Harden and Westbrook, uh, there there's such a difference in their effective field goal percentages and their pretty similar from the free throw line so Harden's still way ahead yeah all right so let's well can we trans let's transition into i want to talk let's get away f- from westbrook and Harden like we've been trying to do but it's, man that's difficult. well you just brought us back to them sorry sorry it's just it's they're, they're who's on my mind um so i want to transition let's do let's do a little segment that uh we, we're going to call great moments in efficiency so I want to look now that we we've kind of set up what it means to be an efficient score, how the how we evaluate that. I want to kind of let's dive into some of the uh, the the players who have really exemplified this. That's, all right, this sounds like the worst Great History Channel documentary of all in time. Efficiency, like we should play like the Masters music, <laughs> like underneath it. Great moments in efficiency. And then you need to say hello. The friends. flowers were blooming. No, no, no. You need to say hello, hello friends. friends. Hello, friends. You know why this. Because of Jim Nance is, yes, is, a, is a, the right. boss. Hello, friends. All right. Anyway, this is great moments in efficiency. So let's talk about first on the game level. So I was looking if I could see who had the the best high scoring game. Right. So I, I left yep. it to fifty points. Like who scored fifty in a game which is another plug for a past uh, podcast that we did on who was the most unlikely 50-point scorers in a game. Looking at you, Corey Brewer. But players who scored 50 in a game the most efficiently. I think there's only one real winner here, and that was Steph Curry. Uh, Last season, February in Orlando, he scored 51 points on 20 of 27 field goals and 10 of 15 three-point made um, that no one else had even come close to that level of efficiency actually in a game. you are incorrect as what? usual mr shanks what? you missed dana barros and that would be my candidate for the for the most efficient 50 point game ever so dana barros guard for the 76ers uh, march 14th 1995 50 points he was 21 for 26 from the floor six for eight on threes and he was two for two from the line that's a 93 percent true shooting percentage the highest ever in a 50 point game Actually, uh, okay, so this, I think well, I think Steph may have been like ninety two point nine or something like that. Yeah, I mean, but that's a good indication of how because I think I was using mine using effective field goal percentage and you were using true shooting percentage, so it does show um, a little bit of a variance, even if it's not that huge. But it does show how players get credit for getting to the line because Steph, I mean, Steph gets to the line all right, right? But you don't really think of him as just a high volume uh, free throw shooter. Well, but I mean, Barrow's only shot two free throws in this game, so. Yeah, um, lowest effective field goal in a fifty-point game. Can you guess who that was? Take a wild guess. Well, I mean, I didn't look this up, but my guess would be the guy who has more fifty-point games than anybody else. That would be Chamberlain. Nope, 
No? Why would no, the lowest? Why would Chamberlain have the lowest? Because that's the thing. Like big men are the ones that have the higher ones because they're just dumping the ball in from two feet away. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I just figured that there would be some game in there where he. So, so just the law of uh, probability. If you just had to randomly choose one, the guy that has the most of them, I guess that's a good good guess. But keeping with our theme, the the real answer is our boy Russell Westbrook. Um, last season in Phoenix had 51 on seven of 44 field uh, field goal attempts and two for 10 three. Which, uh, which sounds like that sounds like a lot of shot attempts, but it falls way short of the record, which is Kobe's. Uh, all right, 50 no, but okay, you need an asterisk on game. this because these are all since like eighty three, eighty four, or something. Like I just oh found, yeah, that's true. Sorry, so, sorry. Yeah, I just found sorry. a game where Wilt Chamberlain scored fifty three, but he was twenty three for sixty from the floor and seven for seventeen from the line. Yeah, sorry. I'm using the uh, uh, see, you're, I'm using StatMuse, and we have that data cut off. My bad on that. But I do want to use talking about Kobe shooting 50 in a game i think this is a good as a, as good a point as any to in uh enlighten our viewers on your irrational hatred for kobe bryant i don't think we've fully discussed that in an episode yet um and it has to do a lot with his effic- inefficiency in scoring correct isn't that if that's the main reason of why you dislike kobe bryant All right, well that <laughs> that's a little bit of an overstatement I, I'm not the biggest Kobe fan in the world, but actually, when Kobe was in his prime, he he was not really horribly inefficient. He was actually fairly efficient. I mean, he did. But the thing I didn't like is is the end of his career when he was obviously not the player he once was physically, but mentally he believed he was, and so it just kind of became a farce where it was like they're trying to get Kobe his 25 or 30 points every night no matter the cost. And I, I thought the last game of his career was sort of a, a microcosm of his last maybe three or four seasons. I mean, that last game was just, to me, it was just awful. I mean, he took what, what he took like 50 shots, right? Or 50 something. shots. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was just like, it was just the height of, uh, of, <laughs> of inefficiency. <laughs> and, and you know, of course, as you said earlier, you know, I, I just despise inefficiency. I just didn't like it. I, I didn't like how the end of his career played out. But in his prime, Kobe's a fantastic player. I don't like him for various reasons, but no, in his prime, he was fantastic. He was a good. Yeah, sco- I mean, I, he was a good scorer. He was not really inefficient, and he was a very good defensive player. So I mean, like, if I'm a team executive, I, I would not have a problem having Kobe on my team. If I was going out for drinks, I would not want Kobe on my team. What? Well, there's no, 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 reasons no, no, for that. But don't even go there. I don't share your intense Kobe hate, even though I'm not going to argue anything about his inefficiency. But come on, that last game was epic. That that was the most baller way for a player to go out ever. It was the most points a player had scored in his final game, like by a lot, I think. And I mean, I just remember I wasn't I wasn't it, watching it. It was all it was all like pre-planned. I mean, I know you I know it's hard. You can't just go out there and score sixty yeah, points just, get... just because you want to. But like, I think there are quite a few players in the NBA who, if a team made a conscious effort to feed them the ball every time, could score sixty points. So like, I, it's, yeah. To me, it was just like it was an abomination. It was almost as bad as this year's All Star Game. Oh come, <laughs> come on! It was not that bad. It... Yeah, sometimes. All right, listen. We got we have to teach you sometimes to just kind of check the 
the analytical side of your brain just at the door and just and just enjoy the the ballsiness no, no, of but, a performance no, like, like that of him just just riding off into the sunset no, but here's after what the I Kobe like, but, the most Kobeist game of all time. But no, that what what we like about sports and what I like about sports, I like the unscripted nature of it all. You know what I mean? I like when things that you never thought would happen in a million years happen. And to me, this just felt so scripted. Like it was You just... thought Kobe was going to score 60 in his final game? No, but I mean... Just, no one just, thought no, that. No, but just the fact that it was all set. I mean, they, basically the plan going in was, let's let Kobe take as many shots as possible. So that I didn't yeah. like that. because and it, it was didn't, wonderful. It didn't occur... Or, <laughs> it no, was it wonderful because it was a meaningless game. No. Now, it was wonderful. His, his 81, <laughs> that's a different story. I mean, to me, that was incredible. When I woke up the next day and, and get on the internet and see Kobe scored 81, holy cow. You know, I mean, that's surprising because yeah. that wasn't something where he was like, like it was all set up beforehand to get Kobe as many points as possible. I don't know. What if, what if Kobe scored in that last game? What if he scored 60 on 30 shot attempts? Well, then, that's a different story be because super, that's, that's more be of like a impressed? natural game for him, right? To take 20 to 30 shots. Taking 50 shots isn't normal. <laughs> no, it's not, but it was incredible. And I love that he walked out with that record. It was just, it was so fitting. It was everything Kobe oh. in one night. Like you said, just a microcosm. Come on, you got to at least enjoy it a little bit. Give Give the guy... A little bit of credit for just having the balls to do that. No, I won't. I gave him credit earlier for being a fantastic player, top <laughs> 10 player all time, but I, I'm, I'm stopped there. All right. I'm just glad we finally got this out there. Now the public will know. You're the, the, what we've known internally at StatMuse, you're just you're brooding hatred <laughs> for Kobe Bryant, who is everything you hate <laughs> in basketball put into one person. I love it. All right. It's not just, we'll, not just basketball. We'll leave that there. This is this is a stats podcast. We're not we're not the moral police. Moving on. All right, so let's take it to the season level. So if I was look I was looking up on StatMuse, the highest effective field goal percentage in a season where a player averaged thirty points a game. And again, we got Steph. Steph from last season. Um with the next closest being Adrian Dantley from 82-83, but he was still five percentage points back. So, I mean, last season, Steph, the unanimous MVP, I mean, forgetting the 3-1 lead in the finals, but still, that was just a crazy efficient scoring season, the likes of which we'd never seen. Yeah, no, that was my choice as well, Steph last year. I mean, so he had a true shooting percentage of 66.9%. Which was the highest ever by a player with tw- even 20 points per game, and he averaged 30 points per game. And he he joined Steve Nash as the only player ever to have a 50, 45, 90 shooting line. So it was just, yeah. he, just an insane year. Yeah, and it's crazy that like he is having a good season this season, but he just set the bar for, him, for himself so high that we're saying like, oh, Steph's having a down year. Well, you know what? Like I just year. looked the other day, like so his three point percentage last season was like 45 percent. He hasn't done that in a single month this season. That's how good he was last year. Yeah. His average he's not, he's not, season. But he's not bad. Yeah, he's not bad this year. No. But he was just so next level good right. last his, season. His average for an entire season, he hasn't even done that in a month this year, which is just nuts to think about. Yeah. Hey, so you mentioned like a, a guy, um, Adrian Dantley, right? Yeah. And so I think that segues nicely into the most efficient high-scoring career because Dantley would be my choice for that. Um, highest true, 
Highest true shooting percentage ever by a player with 20,000 points. He had eight seasons where he averaged at least 20 points per game and had a 60 true shooting percentage. Only Kareem had more, 11, and Kareem played forever. Um, just just a really interesting player. I mean, and he, he didn't do it with the three-pointer. He was like a 6'5 guy, um, but he played small forward. He was incredible in the post. He had a great post game. Like, he made like seven three-pointers in his career. So he's not like bumping up his effective field goal percentage by making a bunch of threes. I mean, he's doing this all pretty much with work near the basket. Uh, but like I said, you know, 6'5 guy, but who has this awesome post game and can score a lot of points very efficiently. Just just a really an amazing and kind of underappreciated player, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to ask you, why do you think he is so unappreciated? Because I don't, I mean, I know the name, of course, and know a little bit about him, but, you know, you just don't ever think about if you were going to start listing off guesses off the top of your head who has the most efficient high scoring career i don't think i would have ever gotten to adrian dantley without looking it up so i think one of the the big problems with dantley is he spent most of his career in utah and it's not like salt lake city is this huge metropolis that gets a lot of media attention right i mean it's yeah they've always almost super underrated city though yeah yeah beautiful city a beautiful state um yeah and they've had solid teams for a long time i mean before the spurs set a record for most consecutive seasons above 500 the jazz held that record so consistently good but yeah i mean just kind of you know players who play there often kind of fall under the radar and then later in his career he's with the pistons and then right before they became the bad boys who won two nba titles in a row he was traded for Mark Aguirre. So like he missed out on those opportunities to play in the finals for them and kind of shine there. So um, that, that probably plays a part too in why he, he's underrated. Yeah. And uh, speaking a little bit about jazz players. So I wanted to ask you, I was looking for on StatMuse lowest career effective field goal percentage by a player with at least 20 points per game for his career. And the lowest one that came up was uh, Pistol Pete at 44.1, which kind of, surprised me a little bit is that well i mean so is that surprising to you not really i mean i I mean was he not known as a very good shooter do we just kind of overlook that because of all the the superstar passes he made yeah i mean he's one of those guys of the game he was one of those guys who you definitely wanted to buy a ticket to watch but i'm not sure if i had been like a team executive i would have wanted him on my team um, really? Yeah, he turned the ball over a lot. He missed a lot of shots. He was a gunner. And part of the thing is, too, like, he also was around before the three-point line for the most part. Um, and so if you're look, looking at something like effective field goal percentage, well, in his era, that's just your field goal percentage because there wasn't a yeah. three-point shot. So so it's not really adjusted to right. make I mean, up for ca- that. Kind of you're not comparing apples to apples when you're comparing, like, say, Maravich's effective field goal percentage to, to current players. Yeah, and in that list, the the lowest ranked one who would have been in the so-called modern era that I think so was, of course, Allen Iverson, who if we're going to talk about inefficient scoring, I think he has to be right at the top of the list. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Iverson was another who just, you know, he would score 25, 30 points per game, but he had like a field goal percentage of 40% or something like that. I mean, he was just a, an unconscious gunner. Yeah. Um, Westbrook is currently sixth, sixth lowest on that on that list. So I mean he's he he's making a he's making a a name for himself on that as well. But I think like you said with Pistol Pete, um, 
you still want to buy a ticket to watch them, and maybe that kind of flashiness that uh, Westbrook has does overshadow a lot of the the flaws in his game, especially to the the casual fan who's not just diving into the box scores like like we are. Um, one thing to kind of give a props to your um, again your MVP vote for Harden. If I was looking at the um, I was looking at the highest um, career effective field goal percentages with at least 20 points per game. Um, James Harden is currently 11th on that list um, all time. So, I mean, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of flack for some of the flaws in his game. But, I mean, he's a pretty efficient scorer overall and not just not just this season. All right. So in closing, let's wrap this up. Let's uh, let's be efficient with our words here in this podcast on efficiency. So as Justin has shown us and he has made the argument uh, that I like to think that it's part of his own personal bias that he's reading into things. But really, the stats do back it up that efficiency is important. Efficiency in scoring does correlate to winning and team success. And even though he used me as the uh, metaphor as that I don't really like that he did, but it still makes sense that if you can do the same wor- amount of work in your job, whatever it is, in 25% less time or whatever it is, that's important, and that's especially important in basketball, and we've seen that. And we'll we'll go to we'll come to see whether or not Justin's correct in his MVP prediction. If the voters will side with him, I don't think they will. I don't think Harden's efficiency is going to overshadow Westbrook averaging a triple double for a season, but I'm sure we'll find out very shortly so thank you very much for listening to this episode we hope that you enjoyed it be sure and check out our blog at blog.statmuse.com we're going to show some of the statmuse queries that we use to get uh, sources for this episode if you listen to this if you download it on itunes or google play please go into the the store and give us a review if you liked it if you don't like it keep the thoughts to yourself but if you do like it give us a nice positive review we'd appreciate that if you want to tell us anything directly, you can reach me on Twitter at Chad J. Shanks. Justin is at J. Kabatko for anyone who's with the Elias Sports Bureau who's listening. And if you need at J. Kabatko, he really wants to hear from you. Look at look at the scan from the Chicago Tribune that he found at 11 o'clock last night. This is who I'm dealing with, people. This is who I'm dealing with. But he knows more about stats okay, than anyone I've ever met. What do we met, say so. about the person who's hanging around on Twitter looking at this stuff at 11 p.m.? Right? Yeah, but I wasn't I mean, digging into old newspapers at 11 p.m. I, I mean, I have, uh, I, have I have my limits. I have my limits. Okay. All right. Being very inefficient with this closing here. So thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Stat Stories. <laughs>